Hi, my name is Harrison Baker. I'm an actor, songwriter, and business owner based here in New York City. Through these different creative industries, I've come across some of the most fascinating minds of our time. Artists, actors, and creative entrepreneurs have inspired me with their wisdom and insight. So I've rounded up everyone I can find and brought them here to discuss hustling hard, what it takes to make it in their respective career paths, and maybe even their spiritual journeys. I hope you enjoy. Hi, everyone. Quick note before we get into today's episode. I usually do a one-on-one interview, but I'm trying a new format where I interview two or three guests. Today, I planned for Chelsea Lopez and David Levy to come on. And to my surprise, Chelsea brought her friend Juliette Barrett, who is also an actress. So you are going to hear from two actresses, David Levy and myself. If you like this format, let me know. If you don't like it, let me know. My first guest is Chelsea Lopez. She starred in the feature film Walker Payne at only seven years old, opposite actors Jason Patrick and Sam Shepard. She did a multitude of projects, ending up with Phoenix Forgotten, which is produced by Ridley Scott. I would consider that her big break. I mean, her her face was in Times Square. It was all over billboards. It was in trains. I just remember seeing it and being like, wow, this girl has made it. She starred in the film Novitiate, playing Sister Charlotte, a nun, and that movie went to Sundance Film Festival, which is pretty damn cool. She's also in the Hulu series Tagged, opposite actors Noah Centineo, J.C. Kalin, and Leah Marie Johnson. I actually know Noah. He's a friend of mine. Maybe I will ask him to be on the show. Who knows? Maybe he'll come on. My second guest's name is David Levy. He was in the show The Naked Brothers Band when he was a little kid, and then he grew up, and he trained his ass off, and now he's a very serious actor. He's been in the new group um, play Downtown Race Riot, which was pretty awesome to see him play Chloe Sevigny's son in that, and that Um, subject of that play was just incredible. It was produced well. He acted in it so well. I'm sorry you can't see it because it's over, but if you do want to see him, he's going to be in an HBO original series called Mrs. Fletcher, so look out for that. Um, Like I said, I love David. He's a total sweetheart. I love Chelsea Lopez. She is so independent, so fierce, one of the bravest people I know, and she takes acting so seriously, like on a level that I've never seen anyone take it on. And I'm so excited to have a conversation with these two incredible actors. Oh, oh my gosh. Before I forget, Chelsea asked if she could bring her friend Juliet Barrett. And I love Juliet Barrett. So I said, of course. So today you are going to hear from myself. You're going to hear from David Levy. You're going to hear from Chelsea Lopez. And you're going to hear from Juliet Barrett. And the first person you're going to hear me talk to is Chelsea Lopez. Okay, enjoy. So let's talk about some of your projects. Okay, where do you want to start? Novitiate. Okay. I actually just stayed at the director's house last night. Um, she's one of my good friends and such a brilliant director. Um, uh, Novitiate. That was my first job that I got on like an offer basis and did an audition for, which was really, really refreshing and I think like a step in my career. I think that in itself is kind of a landmark. You would agree, Juliet? Massive. Okay. Yeah. Well, I've just I've I've been through the ringer with auditions. Like I started auditioning when I was seven and um, acting at a young age, and so uh, so I, auditions can be kind of tiring sometimes. I love the process, but it is like you have to find the joy in it constantly and like reinvent the audition process for yourself. Mm-hmm. I find so um, really just meeting Maggie. We really connected in this cafe uh, in Tribeca, and I actually got that job through my best friend Margaret Qualley, who saw me in acting class and said that she was working on a project and recommended me to Maggie. And then Maggie uh, signed me on to the project. And then I spent a month in Nashville with an almost all female cast, aside from like the priest and some other characters. Um, And it was really special. We had a female DP, a female director, and everyone was just real artists. And it was really an amazing experience to like connect with women in that way and to experience what my character experience, which is just like suppression and like, you know, nuns deal with a lot. And so it was just such a, I I feel really grateful for that experience. What do you want to know about it? (laughs) I find um, female heavy projects incredibly rare still in Hollywood, even Mm -hmm. though they might get highlighted statistically, they are rare. 
uh, they're a minority. So I do want to know about it. I want to know about the process. Um, how many directors that are females have you worked with compared to male? I mean, approximately. Um, I've actually been pretty fortunate to work with some female directors. Uh, I'd say like it's pretty even for me, like directly yeah. like half women I've worked with and then like half men. But uh, but I think what was so special about this one is that like it was there was no caddy energy on set, like no competition. Everyone was just truly there for the art of it. And it was a really beautiful like sharing experience. We did like different exercises together and actually Sheila, our mentor for those who are listening or our coach, uh, coached us on that project. And I was doing Phoenix Forgotten before that, so I missed that part of her coaching and I was really nervous because I felt like I wouldn't know the girls as well and they had all been doing this preparation for Sheila with Sheila for a week and Maggie and um, I had to go straight from set of Phoenix Forgotten to Novitiate and so but I had worked with Sheila in the past so I did my own kind of work on the project and journaled a lot in character while I was there um, music's a huge tool for me in my acting uh, I make playlists for characters and even if I don't listen to the music they listen to, it's like I, I will make myself listen to that so that I get into their mindset. I'd say like music is more important to me than actually like studying other actors. It, I don't know, it just emotes a different part of me. Um, and so that was like a lot of my preparation was journaling music and dream work. Uh, Sheila taught me dream work for the first time, which was, you know, before you go to bed at night, you write a little journal entry and you say, dear inner voice, uh, please reveal to me in a dream tonight something regarding my character, Sister Charlotte. And then respectfully and with love, I'm, I don't know if this is word for word what it is, but and you sign your name in cursive. And then you put the notebook under your pillow at night. And you, as soon as you wake up, any symbols that you have in that dream, you write them down and then you can kind of create them through your technique and use the symbols as a way into the character. So it's like a psychoanalysis method, but specifically to... Um, enhance your your craft. Yeah, interesting. Which was new for me. I, I I haven't done a lot of dream work. It's been like pretty like, you know, different method work, but not dream work. Before. Is it scary? Um, what is what scary? Dream work. No, I think that dreams are really telling, and I think that like some dreams don't mean anything, and they're just kind of vomit of our subconscious. And I think other dreams are there to like kind of guide and like show show different perspectives. Um, and so it wasn't scary. Um, I actually really connect with dreaming. I, I'm a lucid dreamer, and I um, and I I think my dream life is very vivid. So it's actually like a fun way to get into a character because you can use things that you dreamt of and, and, and incorporate them into your choices. Can I say something? Please. It's kind Please. of it's kind of interesting to you because when you're when you're dreaming and doing this kind of dream work, it brings up other things that you wouldn't necessarily logically think about. Um, like it brings up atmosphere, for example. Mm -hmm. I've done this assignment before and like something I hadn't even thought about from an intellectual point was how the atmosphere might feel different to the character like the general feeling of the weight of the room that you're in or um, mm -hmm. I did one where I had this dream that I was like drowning in mud <laughs> which was terrifying but then I had to do a play with that and it like brought a thickness to the air that I could have never intellectualized love that I could have never come up with that in my brain because your consciousness went there and felt that to some to some degree yeah and so you were able to recall that experience almost yeah not even not even necessarily like how do i want to say this it's not even recalling it necessarily or reliving it but just bringing an attention that uh a person in a situation isn't just there aren't just like the people you're with and the what you want all of that there's also all of these other mm -hmm elements that you don't even realize as you're a person moving through the world are affecting you. I also feel like like feelings and dreams are so extreme. Yeah. So like if you can't get yourself to feel on like the physical grounded plane of reality and like it's hard for you to connect to feeling, you can recall a dream at where a feeling felt really strong and then incorporate that feeling into your real life also, or your character. Oops, no, go go. Like as actors, you know, you're you're Speak up a little bit. <clears throat> You're so reliant on your imagination and dreaming is, is like your imagination on crack. You know, mm -hmm. it's like it, it, it's your imagination unhinged in, in a way that's 
almost only possible when you're dreaming, you know? So it affords you this way into your subconscious where you can kind of realize these sensations that you might need to have for these characters and for these jobs that you would have a normally a more uh, difficult time into if you were, you know, just trying to work on it while you're not dreaming, if that makes sense. You're looking mm -hmm. at me like that doesn't make sense. I'm just digesting it. I, th I think that also it's like every character that you play is, is just, you know, I don't think I was listening. I went to this talk back where Dustin Hoffman was saying like, "There's no uh, character that's outside of you." You know, what I mean, everything is mm. contained within you, and it's just about adjusting levels. And so it's like, a dream dream work can help you find what parts of yourself are already, you know, kind of. For sure, I I like am a firm believer that like we're all made up of the same emotions, but we go yeah. through different experiences throughout life. But like, really, our soul is kind of one without getting too spiritual and and so we feel all the same things and they manifest in different ways and in, through different experiences so like it is true like we can tap into different emotions and like and then like imagine the experience of that character to like bring us closer to to the work sure yeah Does that makes sense yeah and mind you please feel free to get as spiritual as you'd like i think mm -hmm. that spirituality is an underserved discussion in day-to-day -day life mm -hmm. um I love actors for this exact reason that empathy is something that all human beings, unless you're a psychopath, have um, <laughs> the ability to do. So I'm. I love this discussion about. You're basically saying, if I'm paraphrasing this correctly, that empathy is a tool that we all have, and so you don't have a limit in that. You can use it in whatever direction you want. It's like a hammer. Or we something. all have it, but we also all have to develop it. Okay. further I feel like there's a uh, there's a story and I'm gonna misquote it because I'm bad at quoting things but uh, when a baby's born and put into a room with another newborn baby the second that baby cries the other baby cries automatically through empathy now in two weeks later you put that baby in a room it starts crying the other babies already learn not to cry when that baby cries like it doesn't naturally automatically cry uh, and so there's somewhere along the way when we're young that like empathy I think is like kind of like subdued in us it never goes away but I think it's subdued a little bit and then um, I feel like through like class or through just connecting with people the gift of empathy is something that you can develop further and further until your imagination is supple and you can you know maybe just be empathetic and I think the goal of being an artist is to have that empathy yeah I mean, I think you're taught as, like, you know, a human being in this society, especially in America, this is going to sound so vague in general, like, society, but um, <laughs> you're taught to, you know, as a kid, you're taught to protect yourself from the mm -hmm. world, to preserve yourself, and to, that the world is, like, you know, I'm not saying I had, like, a childhood where my parents were, like, kid, don't trust anybody, you know, but you're, mm. you're taught as a child to, you know, be wary of the world and protect yourself, and you have to kind of unlearn that stuff as as a, an actor I mean empathy is I think what you said is so true it's not something that you can just assume you have and rest on your laurels like you have to oh. it's an active thing you have to work on it you have to push yourself and remind yeah. yourself uh, to, but it's okay to, to be vulnerable too it's okay and to like, be vulnerable to empathize to, yeah. put your, to, to remind yourself to put yourself in other people's situations mm -hmm. to, to feel the full thing of what they're going through and it's a, very much an active thing that you have to Practice. Be mindful of. Yeah. I'm gonna speak out of immense love for Chelsea. Um, she and Chelsea and I are very good friends, going back quite a few years. And I was just, we were getting coffee before this, and I was just saying to Chelsea, you know, the thing that I've never told you that I've always admired about you that makes you so unique is how much of a chameleon you are. <laughs> and I think that that comes out of such a deep quest and understanding um, of empathy and trying to always understand where another person is coming from. I think it shows both in your work as a, an actor and an artist and a writer, um, as well as in, in you as a person and the friendships you have and the bonds you create with other people. But I think it's so fascinating to see an artist like Chelsea and witness how she actually like takes that from an intellectual idea of empathy and puts it into the world, which luckily for all of us, I think that's a part of the technique we've all studied together but um i've always admired that in i love you <laughs> i right back at you i started studying with sheila when i was about like nine years old and i did walker Payne when i was seven years old 
Um, and Walker Payne was a movie that I did with like Bruce Dern and Sam Shepard and uh, Drea DiMatteo and really um, in North and South Carolina. And it was a really controversial movie because it was about dog fighting and uh, like a custody battle between uh, Drea and Jason Patrick. And, um, and I was the child with another girl named Gabrielle Brennan. Yeah. So my so after Walker Payne, um, I uh, actually I auditioned for Walker Payne through this acting coach uh, or no casting director named Suzanne Smith, and Suzanne connected me to Sheila, and from there I just fell in love with Sheila's class, and my dad brought me in to uh, to see what he was getting me into because I was it was an adult class and I was the only kid at the time until Juliet came along. Um, I didn't and realize you'd known each other that long. Yeah, I yep. think since we met when we were both like fresh out of high school. Mm-hmm. Okay. No, maybe even younger than that, actually. But Sheila didn't have a kids class for a while, but I don't we've think. Been, I think we were sort of each other's first best friend in New York. We were. In, yeah. Oh, I love the first yeah. best friend. Yeah, yeah. first best friend, uh, forever best friend. So yeah. I'm sorry, I derailed you. Continue. No, it's fine. So I um, so I started acting uh, with Sheila when I was like nine years old, and then my dad took me into the class and... Uh, and we did a scene from Narnia, me and my sisters and my dad. My dad played a lion, we played princesses, and my dad fell in love with acting, and he actually still acts to this day with Sheila. And uh, from there, I just started studying like really, really hard. I would do like five classes a week and like was like transporting myself from like New Jersey to New York and going to high school eventually and doing all of these things. Mind you, my personal memory with Chelsea before I really knew her, we like peripherally knew each other, was somebody complaining to me that she missed so many days of high school, but still still got to graduate. Uh, But I had to do summer school for gym because I would miss (laughs) gym for acting and for auditions. And I had to talk to, we went to the same school, so I I would have to talk to Mr. D. He was super nice to me given the fact that I was like barely in school. Wait, is this the bald guy? Yes. Oh, the ball guy's super nice. Super I nice. Love him. Super was nice. Was it just you in summer school for gym? No, like, there was other were people. You playing dodgeball by There was yourself? other people. <laughs> no, no, no. We were playing like volleyball, dodgeball. Although if anyone could things. play dodgeball by themselves, I yeah. think it would be Chelsea. <laughs> 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 she, has, she has so much empathy, you know. Dodgeball. I can't believe a gym teacher is named Mr. D. So, so but yeah, long story short, I just like I took a break from Sheila's the last three years, and I actually just went back to a workshop with her. Oh, so you haven't seen you haven't been in her class in three years? No, because I I did class so um, intensely for so long that I wanted to give my imagination a break and not learn from anything and just just really kind of settle into myself as a person and understand what I've been studying. I think that's really brilliant. I feel that rehabilitation in specifically American society because I think actually a lot of European societies get it right um, is just not like a thing or something that we're just such a driven uh, sometimes capitalistic minded society sometimes well I mean yeah okay most of the time (laughs) uh, unfortunately and I've I myself have felt burnout Um, I think it's really smart if if you can gauge yourself and be like okay I need to cool off and it's not even that I felt burnt out because I'm always so passionate about acting and I love it so much. It was just that um, it was just that like I had moved to LA, so Sheila's in New York, and it's like hard to 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 like fly to New York all the time because I really only do like three trips a year to New York. But then she started doing these workshops in Los Angeles, and that those I would go to in the beginning, and then it was more just like um, it was more I guess. Uh, wanting to just take a break because acting was like sometimes you need to give yourself room to breathe you know what i mean so like you study 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 but like you need to like breathe and like take in and And process what you absorb what you've studied i don't understand why doctors are in so much pain all the time i'm like i want you to be healthy so that you can keep me healthy yeah Yeah. you know what i'm talking about sorry yeah no it's it's fine but also like also (laughs) like uh like you know I chose to be an actress at age seven, which is so trippy to me because it, my sister started first and then I started and then my little sister started. And uh, and so there comes a point when you become an adult and you ask yourself, is this what I want to do with the rest of my life? Like, is this the choice that I made when I was seven still the choice that I want to do now? And my answer is yes. I th- 
I don't know if I can curse, but I effing love it. I've cursed like it. this whole time. So. Um, <laughs> and I'm super passionate about it. I feel like it's my soul's work. I feel like I have a duty to like play these characters and learn about the world and about people. Um, but yeah. Do you feel that way, Juliet? Uh that we need breaks sometimes? No, that this is your soul's work. Do you feel in, you're on the right path in the right career? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. So both of my parents are visual artists. So I've always grown up in a family of artists. For me, it was never like, you know, I didn't come from a super straight edge background and say, you know, have to prove to anyone that I was an artist. They weren't like, you have to be a doctor tomorrow. Exactly. Like, I'm super privileged in that sense that I didn't have to spend the first three years in New York proving that it was something I could do. Um, I mean, you know, I go through a lot of a lot of questions with it. I actually had a period for the last, I would say, last two or three years where I thought, like, is this just the thing I landed on? And I'm just a person who's super committed to stuff, and I get really involved, and I want to be really good at something. And I did really think that. And then I sort of, for probably the last two or three years, I started to step away from acting a little bit. Um, and I was really unhappy. I didn't have a place to put, to explore and put everything that I was feeling. Like I realized that no, actually I chose this and I need this to make me happy. Um, so that was interesting, you know, especially transitioning from being a kid and a teenager into being an adult. Um, I feel like the last year for me was rechoosing this as my journey and as my art. So mm. in this past three years of um, contemplation, you have found quite a bit of work. I've yeah, I've been fortunate. So you were kind of work like were, were you being pulled towards it, but still in your head contemplating things? Um, you know, I mean, as actors, I think we can all attest to this that there's always ups and downs, and even though on Instagram or online it might look like you're constantly working or you always have something else coming out or you just finished something. Especially if you're a good BS artist. <laughs> um, there's still these periods where you're like, fuck, nothing's working. Like, I'm trying so hard and nothing's working. And so I feel like I've had um, a few of those little pockets over the last... Few well, years. You finished a movie yesterday. In still filming it. Still filming <laughs> a movie that you sh were shooting yesterday. Uh, I started filming it last week, and I go back. I think this week. And yeah, can you talk a little bit more. about it? Yeah. So that's um, I'm playing a a girl who's a listener in the Israeli army. Um, it's a feature film directed by Omri Bezalel, and uh, so unfortunately, it is not shooting in Tel Aviv. It is shooting at an abandoned racetrack in New Jersey. Which will be well, hit really me fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm from New Jersey. You can um, stay with my mom. So no, I mean, I think what I'm talking about is more like my own perception of of work versus what's actually happening, right? I think for the last two or three years, even though I was working and I was getting lots of callbacks and getting really close to bigger things and still working on other smaller things, working on theater and shorts and film, whatever, still in my mind, I felt like it wasn't enough and I wasn't getting to where I wanted to be. And I was having this whole back and forth of like, is this actually the thing that's gonna make me happy? It's a question of happiness. Like, if, if I'm not happy right now in this state, then am I ever gonna be happy? And maybe I'm searching for happiness in the wrong place. So I started to sort of step away from it to see if there was happiness to found to be found elsewhere <laughs> so well i think that's like so natural because like this is like a business of rejection so like you know you're wait, i want to finish my thought oh yeah for sure sorry i realized that happiness was found in acting <laughs> oh, that is found in acting. yeah yes. it is. that's what i came back to so yeah. now i'm fully back on board and i'm very much obsessed go on and Chelsea. she's very much like the most talented artist I know. So, and I mean that, I don't say that lightly. Uh, Juliet That's Brett is like- is, Very generous. No, I'm, I mean that. I've like, <laughs> I've been inspired by your work since I'm, I've known you, um, which is probably why we're best friends now. So uh, happiness in, I'm glad it's a discussion generally. Mm -hmm. um, there's a class at the school I went to in NYU where you can take a class called the science of happiness, mm -hmm. um, which I totally like, what is that word? I like flinched at initially until I like digested how intelligent that is and how 
happiness can be a science. It can involve your physical health, your mental mm -hmm. health, which, by the way, are completely inextricably linked. Um, it can involve a balance in work life. And as actors, I think it's really hard for us to get a balance of work life. I almost never know when to stop thinking about career and just like be happy. <laughs> Mm -hmm. I think the the mistake is to tie your your worth and your happiness into your work. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Because Absolutely. It is such a you have to be independently of, happy. Exactly. It's such a business of rejection, and even if you are working, you're still going to hear the word no a lot. You know, mm -hmm. and so it's like you have to find. Yeah, like you said, it's it's always even if you're the most successful actor in the world, you're going to have peaks and valleys, and it's about maintaining uh, your sanity during those valleys. I think you know, you're such a poet. I <laughs> Reach. You are, and, and yeah, it, it's really hard because you are at a party and somebody asks you what you're doing, or all of these. You know, you could call them microaggressions, yeah, or mm -hmm. micro whatever situation. The worst is when somebody goes, "Oh, uh, would, are you in uh, anything I would have seen?" And I'm like, "Oh, I got that two <sighs> days ago." Fuck or the no worst word. is when they look over your shoulder. They're like, "Hey, who are you?" Oh, 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 oh yes. They're not even connecting with your eyes. Like totally. it's so not grounded in like true human connection. Sometimes in this business, it's like so. They hear actor and you're not object mm -hmm. also. yeah so have you found David that um did you go through a period where you thought happiness was connected to work and then oh yeah for sure yeah I mean, I mean it's so hard it's so in, I mean after I dropped out of college I was you know I was unsure if I was ever gonna work again um because I'd taken like a decade off since I was a kid and and I was definitely all my did you drop out when you did that new group play which I don't know if yeah. either of you guys saw that I saw it I Holy didn't but I shit. showed pictures David is so fucking talented. David is so talented. fucking that talented. That character was Thanks, unreal. Guys. And to frame this, you dropped out with no manager, no very little training. It, he was not Nothing. doing the new But you had been training, right? I've been training. Um, I That's really sweet. You Julia. were so good at Thanks. that. I, well, I started, so I started acting when I was nine. I did this Nickelodeon show called the... Uh, Naked Brothers Band, which is what <laughs> Sheila created the teen class after yeah. that show. Um, and then I never came to the teen class. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I was like, you know, like what you were saying, Chelsea, about um, making that choice when you're seven and then having to live with it. It's like I was, my dad's a documentary filmmaker. I was kind of brought into the industry just based on who my parents were, which was, you know, very fortunate. But I was also... Um, this TV show very much fell into my lap as a, you know, a project that a family friend was producing. And I, after the show was done, I had to like kind of live with and, and figure out my identity. I was 13 and I mm. didn't know what was going on. And so I was like, I'm going to, you know, be a kid for 10 years, you know, and I, uh, that's something that, you know, I, I think about all the time. It's kind of, you know, is that a regret, like taking 10 years off after being on a successful TV show? Like, yeah. You know, maybe I should now. I think about maybe just you know. No, but you're so you probably needed that time to like I, I you know like totally. find yourself and like you know and I, like yeah, I, th I think so whatever. too. I mean, I that's that's the you know life is not black and white ever, and mm -hmm. so to call something an outright regret is I think you know uh, short sighted. But I also think everything happens for a reason. I agree, and yeah. I I I mean, the, I tell people now I'm like yeah, when I was 13, I was so precocious and insightful I knew that I wanted to have this normal childhood so I could draw on those experiences <laughs> later when I'm an actor but that was so not what I was thinking I was like fuck <laughs> I just want to go to summer camp yeah but now I'm so now I'm so grateful that I did you know have that time to grow up and whatever yeah. but yeah so I went to Emerson for film school for two years um uh dropped out and then didn't have a manager or an agent or anything and then I uh I mean to take it all full circle yeah during that time my happiness and my um self-worth was very much tied into like my self-esteem as an actor which was so low at the time so mm -hmm. low you know despite and it doesn't matter if people are telling you that you're talented or whatever it's like if you don't feel good about yourself then you just feel like shit and and uh like i you know you said i had to really recommit myself to acting i was like all right i'm gonna do this i'm gonna yeah. Do this the right way, and I just went to Sheila for years and kind of grinded my ass off, and that's how I met everybody in this room, not you, um, <laughs> and uh, and 
you know, I, I'm so, I'm really grateful for that class because it's, you know, brought so many beautiful, oh, me amazing people yeah. into my life, you know, and, and, and given us all this language that we can uh, sit in a room and, and speak to each other in this kind of, you know, tongue. No, really may deep or may thing. Not. Yeah. You know, and like, and really, truly connect. Totally. It's a yeah. language of, of, of no. imagination and empathy and, and emotion, and it's a beautiful thing. And I know this sounds all very, like, heady and... And, but it's it's true. It's it's like a it's a real kind of gift to be able to connect in that way. Totally, and to verbalize your emotions in, mm-hmm. in such a clear way. I think um, felt like I just rambled for five minutes. Whatever. We're on a podcast. You're yeah. supposed to do <laughs> <laughs> Whenever people are listening to the show, I'm like, look, do other work while you're listening to it. Like, <laughs> like I'm not gonna, you know, be a conduit for God. So just like. Do your do whatever you're doing. And you're not going to be a conduit. For yeah, you? I thought you were going to be a conduit. For oh, that. I was planning on it, but okay. he just stopped speaking to me, or she stopped speaking to me at some point. So no, I'm just kidding. That was so dark. <laughs> <laughs> ah, hello. When was the last time you talked to God? I meditate every day of my life. Okay. I've had incredibly spiritual experiences. I've also experienced things I would consider miracles, but I've never heard a voice that wasn't like. A human voice internalized in my own head. That's probably good. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe people do hear God's voice. Yeah, I don't know. I hope so. What, I just go ahead, David. You, you, you. No, I'm just. I want to know how you got into meditating because I consider myself a very spiritual, connected person who's capable of long periods of focus. I just cannot figure out the switch of. Uh, getting into a meditative spot and flipping the switch so that you're doing perfect meditation. There's no such thing as perfect meditation. <laughs> well, I don't think that there's a, was, nothing's yeah. perfect. Th- this, <laughs> this there's no is right or wrong. No I, I made this show partially because I, I figured out that this is a form of meditation. This is a conscious mm. discussion that we're all having. And when you're sitting cross-legged, you're having a different type of meditation. Yeah. And when thoughts are coming to you that you're afraid of, that overwhelm you, whatever, I don't know. It's just like training in anything else. We're all training in shit, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Do, do you do TM? Trans- what is TM? Transcendental so meditation. Meditation is no. so every every famous hero of mine that I look mm-hmm. at their Wikipedia page and I go to. Didn't personal- David Lynch write a book about it? Or no, someone did. I Maybe one director. But I go to personal life section because that's obviously when you're on Wikipedia, that's the most interesting one to go to. And every single one is like, oh, they're a practitioner of transcendental meditation and save them from horrible heroin addiction and suicidal thoughts and I'm like what is this shit and then my friend told me the other day it's kind of a cult like it's you have to pay to get it's like Scientology almost you have to pay what there's nothing about yeah my friend Austin was like there's nothing online about transcendental meditation you have to pay and subscribe to this like school to get the technique and they'll give you the technique but yeah it's like a business I'm just gonna stick to breathing. Don't quote me. Yeah, just, just stick to the sunshine. Oh, and, you know, <laughs> okay. So the follow-up answer to that is that, that I also have the app Headspace, which is incredibly organized, notifies me daily. I would love for them to be a sponsor of this show. I have, I have zero sponsors of this show. If uh, if you want them to sponsor you, we can do a, a thing where. I try and meditate for the first time with Headspace yes. and see Fuck if it yeah. works. Oh my god! And then I'll share that. my experiences of being a first-time <laughs> Headspacer. And that can be your first one that you film or something. Your first film. <laughs> yes. Holy shit! Wow. Ideas. What does art mean to you guys? The word art. I'll go. Yeah, go. Hit us. Um, I think uh, I, I saw a quote recently that the most important part of any piece of artwork is the part that you can't describe. So I think that good art is, um, hopefully tells a story. I mean, that's my favorite type of art is, you know, stories and being able to be a storyteller. But I think it's, you know, that that good art is gonna give you a twinge in somewhere in your body mm-hmm. that makes you feel something that you would struggle to put into words maybe yeah love that. I think also super important for me as I've been investigating this is that art is accessible um, I think there's too many people or, or tears people have this idea of artists that it's this high lofty thing that only certain creative types can understand and I think that that's completely going against the spirit of what art should be art should be accessible to anyone who can just clear their head for a second and absorb it 
it's also um, indicative of just a very specific time that we're living in right now, which is like highly individualistic and pragmatic and not true whatsoever or resonant um, if you look at history. Uh, Leonardo da Vinci, considered a great artist, but also an incredible scientist. There's a reason that schools mm. are called the College of Arts and Sciences. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Wait, can, you, can you speak to that a little more? What do you, what do you, what do you mean exactly? Like- that um, genius, or I shouldn't even say genius people because that's so, that almost sounds elitist, but people who are practicing working on themselves and honing whatever's inside of them and people who are often revered as great um, worked in so many different realms. I mean, Chekhov is one of my, you know, people that I love in many ways. And he was a doctor, but mm-hmm. also was Chekhov, the playwright. Yeah. So that's what I mean. Wow, I didn't well, realize I that he was a doctor. <laughs> yeah, I didn't either so until cool. I went to school. And found yeah, it. like Da Vinci's I've... drafts of like the human body are still like basically the standard for like, you know, um, the the intersection of like medical functional art in a way. I think when you're like a creative person. And not all, I guess not everyone, this might be a generalization, but when you're a creative person, you just have a hyper creativity to like create and you want to create. Mm -hmm. And so like it's important to not put all your eggs in one basket and just like hammer at one thing. I think it's really important to like put eggs in different baskets and like, and oftentimes I find that like when I'm not like super, super like acting, 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 and I'm like, no, I'm going to write a script or I'm going to like do something else is when my acting takes off. Totally. Do you guys feel that way? I, Ever? I think so much of our identities as, as quote-unquote artists is like um, influenced by how practical it is now and how, how can we monetize yes. it. Yeah. And, and that's shitty. I mean, that sucks. That should be, those two things should be totally divorced, but we live in, like, what you were saying is, it sounded like, you, you know, it's, it's this kind of, uh, you know, you're, you're conflating the, the, the business and the or you're forced to conflate the, the your your business and your and your art, or at least we think we're supposed to now because it's like supposed to be our art is supposed to be consumed and not just enjoyed. Yeah. And that's like it shouldn't be that way, but that's very much the you know place we live in. Harrison, to your to your point of um, saying you know Chekhov was a doctor and also happened to be Chekhov, um, in the past couple of years I've tried to really become friends with a lot of people who are not by trade artists mm-hmm. and I realized that I in the past have been such a fucking asshole <laughs> I used to think that That's you had true. to be an artist to be creative <laughs> there are Second. so many people in other fields who think about other things than just art or art, 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 art who are artists and who oh, are mm-hmm. creative you can be a scientist and be deeply deeply creative oh. you can be I think those are the most creative people like you know, who aren't looking for attention for what they're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, like they're just they actually just, creating. They just intrinsically can like doodle really well, and yeah. but like happen to be science and math. You know, their creativity is not geared towards an end product. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. I've heard creativity defined as being able to take a set of principles and apply them to a different topic. Mm. So I think that's like interesting. Love that. Mm. I'm gonna ask ask you all a question. Um, and it kind of also a statement, but into a question. I, in my day-to-day life, have found that in a, in a very paradoxical way, I'm less empathetic sometimes, not consciously, but unconsciously, towards people because I'm expecting them to operate at the levels that we are right now, that you, that you are all trained to operate. Does that make sense? Yes. What? I, I, I'll go, but what's the go. question? I mean, I just I just feel like since I started working with Sheila again a few years ago that I was so, my my active consciousness and my like emotional life were completely divorced and mm. like Sheila really helped me realign those things and now I'm like, I, I, I totally know what you're saying. I, I'm seeing all these people in my life now who I can in a second pick up like how closely aligned those things are in their lives and how out of touch they are with their emotional lives and it I feel very um I think it's just a total gift and a total privilege to be an actor because you get to analyze and work with your emotions and and kind of you know dissect them all day which is like 
something that nobody really I mean a lot of people who just never take the time to do that never take the time to understand you know what buttons you know have what reactions in there uh, for them emotionally yeah and I think that uh, do you want to keep going sorry I um, no that's kind of it I just think that we're all very lucky to be able to speak like in, in this way to each other with you know like emotional I mean? intelligence exactly. you know and I think that like emotional understanding once you reach that in your being of like okay these are my emotions these are my weak spots these are my tough spots these are things I can work on and like as you're advancing and evolving I think that like I think if this is a question I, you know like when you meet someone who doesn't have that emotional understanding rather than getting frustrated with them or this you kind of have an awareness that you can see where they're at and you can meet them there yeah. and then you can like nurture that part of them and where they are and be is that was that the question yes but that's also incredibly difficult because if i do that with how much i'm feeling i would be so drained yeah. Well, I think empathy can be draining, but it's also beautiful and it's like worth the draining and you have to find ways to like to realiven yourself, even though that's not a word, but like to bring yourself life, which is whether it's going to the gym, whether it's like doing other things that like give you energy, you know, um, because I feel like emotions can be draining and uncomfortable and like not really fun to sit in sometimes. But I'm finding the more that like I get into my art and myself as a person, it's like really important to like you said, meditate and breathe through like, like last night I was laying in bed and I was like, oh, like I kind of feel lonely. And like, you know, like everything's going so good in my life right now, but I just felt really lonely and I had a wave of loneliness. and. And I just like was like, I'm just gonna cry for like two minutes and let it pass. And then it passes. And then I'm like back to being, you know, kind of like. But you recognize that and that's what's But key. as long as you're recognizing it and moving, letting it, rather than fighting it, being like, I don't feel lonely, I feel great. Everything's good, but you know, which so I've done in the past. And it's like, it's just not being real with yourself. That's so many people's default though, is to just be like, this is a weird feeling. It's uncomfortable and I don't want to exist in it. So I'm going to escape it. Exactly. And so, so much of acting is like exposing yourself and building your tolerance for these emotions mm -hmm. and just instead of escapism, like really living in it and forcing yourself to confront what these sensations make you And feel. then therefore finding and discovering who you are and constantly developing totally, that. Totally, totally. It brings you closer to yourself, mm -hmm. forcing yourself to live in that space. I mean, I think empathy is just like, you're just signing up for extra emotions. It's like extracurricular emotions, you know? Mm -hmm. You're just signing yourself up for what other people might be going through. It right? is interesting though, I think <clears throat> what you were just saying, Harrison, um, like at what point is it help like at what point do you have to build a boundary for yourself or at what boundaries point are important for sure to always be meeting i mean especially now in 2019 with the we won't go into politics but how many people are really willing to let you meet them there and do that work are there people who are just i mean this is a question i have about like humanity that probably can't be answered in this podcast but <laughs> Are there, you know, I, I think I used to always think like, oh, everyone is made of the same stuff and it's just their experiences. But something that I'm questioning lately is like, is that true? Or are there people who started from a completely different, like are there people who just like, no matter where you meet them, I'm thinking politics and the Republican party, um, where, uh, not the whole Republican Party, just the key members. Who? Who's talking about? Oh. <laughs> I think, just really quick, I'll chime in. I think it's true, like, boundaries are super important. And, yeah. like, some people you can't meet halfway because they don't want to listen or they don't want to go there. So then, like, you have to acknowledge in that moment that it's out of your control and right. it's not worth it, you know? Like, is it narcissistic to assume that everyone is made out of the same stuff? Mm. Made out of the same... Is it narcissistic? Empathy? Is it? And also, is it is it dangerous? Mm-hmm. Because I could mm. give all of my energy to someone who might only, for some reason that I, I and Freud have yet to understand, are just abusive. Like, there's maybe there is no other logical answer except they will drain the energy and they will be abusive. Or, ta or just taking period. Well, I think don't hang around, you know, I mean, unless you have, like, unless it's like a family member or something, I don't know, but like, you know, like, it's important that you can't separate yourself from to like, I think you are the company you keep. So make sure it's sacred company and it's good company and it's like healthy company. Okay. I, I was reading this article a few years ago that 
was done by like psychological scientists or something and uh it said that base it, it hypothesized that your personality is the eight people is a composite of the eight people's personalities that you spend the most time around wow. in your life and i was mm-hmm. like it's fascinating so that's i was like you know i always thought that phrase was kind of you are the company you keep. I'm like, yeah, you are the company you keep. And then I no, read that. I'm like, are you're literally the company. Yeah. Did you track it? Like, did, did you tr- think to yourself the eight people and see if that was true? I was. I had questions. I was thinking. I was like, what is it? Is it the eight people you're spending the most time around right now, or historically through your life? Like, who's aggregate the most time? Like, you know. So you just deflected until you didn't have to actually think. Exactly. About it exactly. <laughs> I was like, that makes me uncomfortable. I'm not gonna <laughs> apply that to myself. No. Um, I think it's true. I mean, if I think about, it, I've spent probably. You know, my parents would be two of the most people who have logged the most hours with, and they're certainly, you know, but that's then that uh, opens a whole other host of questions. Exactly, genetics and like Mm -hmm. how much of that shit's passed. I think this is a perfect segue into our final three questions, and I'd like for everyone to to get to answer, so let's do it. Wait, final three? Final three. Just hang out here all the time. (laughs) (laughs) I like this. No, I do do too. (laughs) Um,. Whoever wants to start, the first question is, what is your intention for, it used to be your career, but now it's your career slash life? Is that, is that, is that the unclear? First, the first, I won't say that this will be the same answer as it would be tomorrow, but <laughs> my answer for today and the next six hours is to create a life and a career where I'm proud of the people I'm around and the events in my life and uh, the, the most important thing to me are the relationships of the people around me and um, that that just feeds into beautiful work and beautiful life. Yeah. I think I want my imagination to be as free as possible and myself to be as grounded as possible at all times. And I want my career to evolve in a way in a way that is honest and truthful and I want my work to make people feel things. I want to awaken maybe like the emotional side of people that that they subdue or that they push down. I want them to watch a movie and like be moved and feel things. And the only way that that can happen is if like as an artist, I'm moved. And so I wanna do work that moves me. Um, And I wanna learn constantly. Like I love reading scripts and being like, oh, this happened in France, I didn't know that. And like really educating myself through through the scripts that I'm reading and really dive into into that work. that's my answer today. Like Juliet said, it may change. <laughs> David? Um, ditto to all that. Uh, probably will be a different answer tomorrow, as you guys said. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's just kind of like what we were talking about a few minutes ago. It's just the company you keep, you know. So I hope that I can, it, both in my career and my life, uh, I'm just surrounded by people that, you know, I love and respect and am compelled by and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I mean, I I think, you know, even the greatest script, the coolest project is going to be a shit experience if you're surrounded by terrible people, you know, so I'd rather be working. I'd rather be working on great projects with great people, but, you know, it's, it's, I just want to, like, I've, in the past couple of years, I've been able to make some projects with my friends, and I mean, that feeling of getting to do what you love with, with people who you really, really love is, is kind of just, like, euphoric. It's unbelievable. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I just, um... I'm I'm trying to, I guess every day kind of answer that question for myself. But um, in terms of if I want to talk more career stuff, like I I really have been jonesing to write and direct like my entire life as well. And um, I I wrote this script last year that I'm gonna shoot this and later in the summer on Long Island and hopefully um it'll be a good experience but it'll be my first time like directing is it a short film or a feature a short film that i wrote and a bunch of cool um friends of mine have you know i I wrote these parts for them and it's you know i i just am so excited and nervous and i'm so proud of you oh thanks um to to put on to try on these different hats in a real way you know um and 
I mean, that's kind of uh, hopefully what I'll do for the rest of my life is kind of like alternate hats between actor and writer and director because I don't I just want to like make stories that are cool um, and I think you know that really does as as much as we said you know I don't want to tie in my happiness to my work mm, like I that second that it really does make me happy getting to bring stuff that was once in my brain to life I mean that's so cool I think yeah. you know that's just like been something I've wanted to do my whole life since I was a kid and so like I know that that's that is what makes me happy at the end of the day okay Question hope. number two. Question number two. <laughs> Your hope for the world. Peace, Shit, love, man. and understanding. <laughs> hope for the Fuck world. Yeah. I don't... I, I read this really interesting quote by Jim Carrey, who I love. And um, it was... it was, Don't have hope, have faith. Hope is walking through a fire. Faith is leaping over it. Okay. And it stuck with me. I don't really know why. But, um, but I, I think, like... I just want to have faith in the world that we can really be good to our planet and to mother earth and to like you know and have faith that like together collectively we can whether through art start to heal um heal like the big wound that is kind of occurring in our society and um and I just yeah inspire each other really I I think one of my hopes for the world is the generations below us. Um, I mean, we're all pretty young, but I think growing up, like, everyone wanted to be, this is so cliche, but growing up, everyone wanted to be, like, you know, a famous actor, a famous sports player. And I think it's so inspiring that the generations below us are growing up wanting to be activists Mm -hmm. and speak about what's wrong in the world. And the generations below us, like, it really seems like they're leading from such a place of like compassion and um, it's not cool to be indifferent anymore. Like I love that the people that I know who are in high school, like it seems like the kids who are cool now are the kids who give a shit. Totally. And I just really hope that that is our future. Can I talk about something really quick? Yeah. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Me and So I waitressed with her at the coffee shop in Union Square. And she, when she talks about her waitressing job and stuff, I, I, you know, I lived through that with her and she's a friend of mine. And I like, I've kind of, I wasn't educated in politics growing up per se. My family's kind of stayed out of the political climate. And so her becoming a political figure has inspired me to really get into politics and like learning about it. And I just think we need more people like her who like are that engaged and who have the ability to engage others. And I just love her and wanted to give her a shout out. AOC. (laughs) Um, Oh, me. Um, I, uh, yeah, I remember this kid Jack Graybell. I'll shout out Jack Graybell. Yeah. <laughs> shout out. Love you, Jack. I remember he he uh, made this speech when I guess I, I was in seventh grade and he was in eighth grade. And it was like, I forget exactly what the speeches were, but it was at an assembly or something. It's what you were talking about, Juliet, where he was just like, uh, it's not cool to be dumb. You know, there's such this culture, at least when I was growing up, where it's like, bro, I just fucking failed this math test. Holy shit. Like, my mom's going to kill me. It's so sick, you know? And he was like, it's not, that's not cool. Like, it's failing a test or giving the least amount of effort and, and, Isn't and. is there uh, a Lord song where she says something like that? Like, we're all playing like a game of apathy. Totally. I mean, being I apathetic and indifferent is like, was so attractive, at least when I was growing mm-hmm. up. And Same. to see yeah. this, yeah, okay. to see this, this generation below us I mean specifically we're all kind of the same age like you know six or so years younger than us these kids who are in high school right now are just graduating I just got the chills who are like engaged yeah and seeing all the news I'm like yeah they fucking care and that's what's hip right now I'm like that is so fucking dope um yeah no yeah yeah um and I just I mean my hope for the world is you know I think we all probably share the same hope for the world which is just the vision of peace and unity and, peace. A, and equality but i if i can be realistic i think it's going to get so much worse before it gets better yeah. i think it's going to be a really nasty changing of the guard with this fucking you know these this older generation of politicians who are just you know feel the need to exert their influence Tooth on people's bodies and like the shit in georgia <laughs> that just passed which is fucking disgusting and like you know just this really archaic 
fucking stupid, antiquated view of how society should work, and I think they're gonna really, tooth and nail, cling on to this this vision of the old world that they're so reluctant to give up, and then it's just gonna come crashing down when these it's gonna kids, come to a head. Yeah, when these kids yeah. are like AOC's age in a couple of years, and they're fucking gonna, Congress is gonna be kicking ass with all these young, you know, whippersnappers with this mm-hmm. great, you know, agenda, and so I think it's gonna get, you know, darker, and then I think it's gonna get way better, hopefully. It's always darkest before the dawn. Exactly. Dark night. Christian Bale. Ridley Scott. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Chris Nolan. Sorry. Final prayer, but some guests prefer to interpret it as final word. Uh. Um, I just want to shout out to my mom. <laughs> shout out to jo- Kim Thank Lopez. Thank you, Kalo, Kim Lopez, for bringing me to every audition since I was seven and raising me a lot of my life. And just thank you to my family for supporting me and my family being my friends, too. And um, I, I think my final prayer is that my friends and everyone around me succeeds in what they're setting out to do. And... I think um, I just really am rooting for good people in this world. I think if um, anyone has made it this far in the podcast. (laughs) 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 Um, Don't worry. That was my self-deprecating, self-speaking. You know, I think just like specifically to this situation, the four of us sitting in this room, for myself, even five years ago, like I could not... Chelsea and I, I'll speak to Chelsea and I because we both share this experience and I'm sure David, you've had, I'm sure both of you have also had this experience of like not necessarily knowing that you can fully believe that you're going to be where you want to be in five years or like not being able to fully grasp that you could possibly get. And I look back five years ago and I'm like, oh my God, I've accomplished so much. And I look around at the people around me, I look at every single person in this room and I think it's just the shout out to whoever's listening is like you can do that you can like, do it too that is your you reality you can accomplish your dream and you can be fucking terrified the whole time and still yeah. Do it. yeah and usually when you face your fears I always like to use the analogy like you're standing on a cliff looking down at the ocean and you're like oh my god what if I die but you jump off and you land in an ocean and you're just swimming and you're like yo that fear is gone and now I'm just like experiencing life to the fullest Hopefully you yeah. didn't break your leg along the way. No, I, it's, you don't. You just swim. <laughs> Chelsea's in a Just cast, keep right? swimming. Just keep swimming. Levy? Um, yeah, I think that uh, I guess um, what you're saying is totally right on, Chelsea, that uh, you're never going to grow if you stay in the same place. You know, you're never going to, um, you know, it's, it's the same as empathy. It's got to be active. So you're never going to get where you want to go and you're never going to be who you want to be if you don't put yourself in uncomfortable situations you have to make yourself uncomfortable to change and uh you have to learn to embrace that um and that's life you know you're gonna be dealing with uncomfortable situations your whole life you might as well become well versed in it you know i i came up and i hope this doesn't sound like four 20 somethings like preaching to the world like none of us have our shit together we're all desperately insecure and trying to figure it out too this Absolutely. is just the mantras we try to live we try to tell ourselves in the mirror every morning i guess um i came up with this rule where like if i have to if it makes me desperately uncomfortable then i have to do it no no option i have to go and do that thing um so that's kind of like my little thing that I try to live by and, and um, if I was are we giving advice what is it? Just your final prayer final, slash word just Sounds uh, like you, yeah. just fucking yeah just do shit that makes you uncomfortable and see what happens I have one more prayer and then I'm do done talking okay second by second moment by moment day by day Sway your own motherfucking way. Ooh. There you go. Thank you. And also shout out to Harrison Baker for <laughs> just being for a legend us and like so having us on this show. Seriously. I, yeah, so I wish we could hang here all day. Um, this is awesome, man. I'm so proud of you. And Headspace, so please proud. sponsor yes, him. Yes, and Headspace so open. <laughs> sponsor him. He's oh, the greatest. Headspace. Okay.
Thanks, guys. Thank you for joining us. Remember to come back next week when I speak with a new friend to figure out what makes their creative spirit grow. Thank you to NYU for hosting us. Thank you to my studio engineer, Jake. And thank you to you, the listener. I truly hope you learned something. If you want to keep up with any of my creative projects or to see what I'm up to, you can check out my website, harrisonvbaker.com or any of my social medias, which is just Harrison V. Baker. Bye.